Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit unitechurchak.org. Now enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. We've been in a series here called I <clears throat> Who it's called Who Am I and we're talking all about who we are. Um, and one of the things that we are is a church, right? And so uh, we're a family and we care for we're a, we're a church family that really believes in young people from teenagers all the way down to our little infants, right? And so we have a pretty uh, good-sized need that has just sort of popped up. A bunch of youth children's workers are uh, needing a break for the summer. And so we have about eight to ten spots we need to fill, and we're hoping that somehow y'all can jump in to help us. That was my Texas uh, draw coming out there, right? And so this is a really important ministry to our young people and especially to uh, not, it's equally as important to our young people to see them encounter the Lord. We had like 20 kids get saved in children's ministry just a, about a month or so ago. So they're hearing the word and they're growing in truth and growing in their faith and they're building relationships and they're the church, right? And also their moms and dads are the church. And it's really huge, important opportunity to minister to the kids and, and the parents, the whole family together when, we, when you get a chance an opportunity to serve. So if, if you would, you can tap one of those discs in front of you at some point, and then that'll take you right to a link to sign up and serve in the kids' ministry. Amen? All righty, here we go. Don't forget to keep tithing. If this is your new church, it's time to start giving, right? So if this is your new church and you finally rooted in, you're like, okay, United Church is my space. God says to us, Malachi 3, bring your tithes and offerings to the storehouse, which is the local church, and give. So it's just 10% that belongs to him, and he blesses the rest. He'll open up the windows of heaven, pour a blessing on you. And so I just felt led to encourage you, like, hey, when you start giving, the Bible says that where your treasure is, there your heart follows. And so this is also a step of, like, rooting in your faith and, and saying, okay, this is where I belong. This is my spot. Amen? So continue to give, continue to serve. These are always on the top of the list of things that God is in just in, ingrained or destined us to be a part of is just giving and sowing. And where we give and sow is where we grow. And hearing the word of God and the truth is another important piece to the puzzle. But we have to know who we are in the kingdom to be activated in the kingdom. And so we talked a little bit about who we're not. We are not what our flesh desires. It's kind of an important message, and if you got hyper-offended in that message, and I encourage you just to go back and listen to it, okay, and slow it down, and after the grenade goes off and you go back and you listen, the truth is the truth, all right? Jesus establishes the truth, and we need to come into alignment with that. We are not what we desire and not what our flesh desires, and if we were, we would be a ginormous disaster, and the enemy wants us to believe that we are what we desire, <clears throat> Not true. We are who God says we are. We are who God has claimed. That's who we are. And we're not what we do. I'm not Pastor Josh. That's weird. Pastor's not my first name. Okay, and it's okay. We call each other because we honor who we believe someone is. Like I can't make I can't make myself your pastor. You have to make me your pastor. Like, and then you can depastor me too. You're like, you ain't my pastor. You don't listen to me no more, right? It happens all the time. <clears throat> totally cool. Maybe it's not what's best for you, but it does happen, okay? And what I also can't do is like, 
I am like my guitar. I'm a guitarist. I'm a musician. Or I am a, a, an architect or a, you know, garbage guy. Whatever you happen to be, right? You identify with the thing you do. It is a fragile world. And the second you can no longer do that thing, you are in a crisis. The second that thing gets removed from you, you're in a crisis. You know your identity is attached to what you do when you flip out when something gets taken away from you. Okay, so that's just a good clue. You can go back and listen to that message too. But today we're going to talk about, I am not what others say I am. I'm not what people say I am. And I'm actually not what my negative tape in my head says I am. Okay, how many of y'all think, like, you stop and you slow down and you start thinking about yourself and the things you say about yourself that are things that if you heard yourself say those things about other people, you'd be like, I'm never going to have no friends because they're evil. They're actually evil. And we will say things about ourselves that are so evil and so wrong and so broken and so diminishing what an idiot. What a fool. I mean, how many of y'all swear at yourself? Raise your hand. I'm raising my hand. Okay. And you don't swear at nobody else, right? Mostly. Depends on how they drive. That's exactly right. <clears throat> You're like, I, I'm an Alaskan. I only swear at people from the end of May to the middle of August. And then I start being a Christian again on the road. <laughs> All these tourists, you know. When we begin to listen to the voices that are not the voice of our good heavenly father, we start to lose track on who we are. And when we lose track on who we are, we lose power. When you lose track on who you are, you lose power. And y'all, we need power to move and advance in the kingdom. Who others say you are, and I would even consider that the other in your own brain that's saying who you are, who is not who God made you to be, this is one of the greatest enemies in the church today. And the greatest enemies of your whole entire life is that tape and those voices that people are saying about you. Because when you believe those voices, it shapes your destiny. It shapes what you're willing to do for the Lord and what you would stand in the gap for. We're going to talk about uh, one of the most famous Bible characters in the Bible. And his name is David today. And so before we read that and we get into the story about him and Goliath, and we're going to do it's like one of the most famous stories. All y'all know it. Most, most of you, if you haven't been around, then you'll get to know the story. It's a great one. But um, there's a truth that David understood and that we all need to understand. And it's said here in Hebrews chapter 8. But when God found fault with the people, he said, the day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day. I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. This is critical. God is possessive. He buys things up. 
And he bought up the most precious thing to him, and that was you, and he paid for it with his own blood. And you belong to him. Even if you haven't chosen him, you're still his. And he wants you to choose him. And when he then has possession, he protects the things he has possession of. He empowers the things he has possession of. He loves the things he has possession of. He stewards the things he has possession of. And the most important thing that he has paid for is you. And it breaks his heart when we lose track of this or we don't accept this and fall into the loving arms of our good heavenly father. So I want to encourage you today. What voice are you listening to? Are you listening to the one who bought you? The one who purchased you? Are you listening to the voice of the enemy? Are you listening to the voice of others, including your other self, that isn't very sanctified, that isn't very holy, and that doesn't believe very much in you and what you can do in him? What voice are you listening to? We're designed with this giant hole of father need inside of all of us. There's a huge father need. I mean, it's gigantic inside of each one of our souls. And we're actually looking for the good heavenly father to fill that, but we're also designed for an earthly father need. And this earthly father need is designed to speak into us who we are to be or supposed to be from our heavenly father's perspective. And sadly, Lots of us, and maybe many or most of us, have not had that good earthly father reflection of the good heavenly father in our life. All of us have had an imperfect father, even if trying to pursue the heavenly father and trying to reflect him as the best they can. So your earthly father will always be insufficient to fill that heavenly father need. But we need both. God designed us for both things. And the cool thing about the church is that in the church, God designed us to have spiritual fathers to fill in gaps where earthly fathers have failed. You still need that. We all still need that. I got lots of daddies, earthly daddies, spiritual ones, right? One real one who was my actual dad. And then all kinds of other dads that I look to that reflect the nature of God, that pursue the the nature of God, that passionately love him. Because when I see them passionately love him, I believe they can speak into my life what God desires and sees for me. But if they're not really seeking him, then that's not the kind of daddy I need. Hello. Ladies. The husband you choose isn't your dad, but will be the father of your children, hopefully. <laughs> I want If you haven't chosen one, make sure the dude's pursuing the heavenly father. Guys in the room, the, the importance of us pursuing the heavenly father, it has exponential impact on the lives of those around us. Just simply pursuing him 
and letting people around us know how God feels about them, what God sees in them. He does see them. How he, what he believes about them. You don't have to be a rock star. Pursue him and tell others about who they are in him. This is a primary role of a father or a spiritual father in the house of God. Men worshiping is one of the most powerful things that can happen in a church. This is true. It just sets the tone. And a lot of times, and it is not a competition, it's just women are more vulnerable and tend to connect easier and it's a lot of times are more free to express themselves, right, in dance or song or whatever. And so men, pursuing the Lord to the best of our ability creates a compounded effect in our church. We see David in this scene here with uh, the Israelites are encamped and uh, the Philistines have come out against them and they're trying to just take over the land that God had given to Israel. And one of the things that happened in this story is that Saul was the king and he was anointed king and he started out all right. But what happened is as a spiritual father in the house, he got off track. He stopped pursuing the heavenly father. And so even when uh, Goliath comes out and he's defying the armies of God and he's telling them all this junk about how they're terrible and all of this, and you guys follow Saul. He tells them they follow King Saul and you follow this guy and you guys are all terrible and we're gonna destroy you. And this is like a telling sign of where nobody stands up and says, no, we don't follow Saul, we follow God. And they were following a man who wasn't following God. This is a problem if you're wondering. Okay, this is a huge problem. And this is the main problem for all of Israel. Because every time this giant, he was a giant guy. He was like even bigger than Shaquille O'Neal. Okay, and he's like a warrior and he's huge. And he, he comes out and he is just telling everybody like, listen, we're going to destroy you. We're going to mop the floor with you and all this. And they would all just go run and hide. They would all run and hide. Every single full-grown man, including the king, wouldn't come out and face this guy. And these guys, the, the nation of Israel, God made them promises. The stories that they had understood and known, and even battles they had already fought, where God fought for them when they were submitted to him and they honored him, they had forgotten about all of that stuff, and all they could see was this giant, and all they could hear was this giant's voice big problem big problem going on and so David shows up and David was tending his father's sheep and he's the youngest of this whole group of uh, kids from Jesse and his dad sends him to go bring food uh, to the camp and he shows up and he is just bewildered that when this giant comes out and he starts telling everybody and 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 defying God's armies and defying and blaspheming God in God's promised land. So like this guy is standing on holy ground that God has promised. The army of Israel is right there to execute justice and judgment on this blasphemer. And David walks in and this guy's standing there and 
every, he's like, this has been going on for days and days and days? He's like, what? How in the world is anyone letting this go on? He goes, I'm a kid. He was just like a teenager. And he's like, I'm a teenager and I can fix this problem because of who my God is. And they're all like, we're full-grown men. No one can fix this problem because of who this giant is. And what he says, they forgot who they were because they forgot to worship who they were made for. And all of our power comes from belonging in the kingdom. It doesn't come from each one of us being awesome. David in that season of his life was not awesome. But he could be a giant slayer because of who he belonged to. And see, David did this amazing thing, is when he was a shepherd, he listened to the voice of God, and he worshiped the Father God all the time when no one was around. So he knew the voice of God, and apparently he listened to the stories and the things that were preached and taught all the time about who God was, and he believed them, and what God had already done, he believed them, and he believed what God would and could do. So when this defiler, when this heathen, like, pagan-worshipping, you know, infiltrator of God's land shows up, this makes no sense to him. But David was a man even a young man who understood who his father was. And when he understood who his father was, it just changed everything about what he saw. And it's so much even like about what uh, Todd, uh, uh, Carrie Todd's uh, message was. Mike Todd's, his wife's Carrie. That was weird. I know another guy named Carrie in our church, right? But Mike's uh, testimony about like what he focused on like when we focus on the Lord instead of all the distractions, all the other people having encounters of the Lord, or not, who knows? Does it even matter? Then it changes our whole perspective. We get what he had for us that day. Well, David shows up. He's always focused on what the Lord is doing, and he shows up, and he's just like, I see exactly what God is doing in this situation, and all these other people are seeing what this, the enemy is doing. And they forgot or never knew who they really were. But fatherless generations, like fatherless people, behave in a certain way. People who don't know their fathers or don't even have the, a good natural father uh, perspective or heavenly father perspective speaking into the life, they behave in a certain way. They all do. We all do when we're missing this. John 8.34 says this. Very truly, this is Jesus, I say to everyone who sins is a slave to sin. It's a little truth here. When we miss it, we're putting ourselves in bondage. Hello? Okay. Who sins becomes a slave to sin. Not everyone believes this about sin, guys. Oh, I do sin and I miss it and then it's like totally fine and it's covered by the blood okay, yeah, you're, gonna, you're saved, you're going to heaven, but you're becoming a slave to the thing you're doing to meet your own desires. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So when Jesus sets you free, you're actually free, even if you pretend to go live in 
pretend bondage through your sin. It's not bondage you have to live in. You are actually set free from it. You are doing the works of your own father, he says to these Pharisees. And they say back, hey, we're not illegitimate children, they protest. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I have come here from God, and I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. This is pretty heavy. And you want to carry out your father's desires. Ooh, another set of desires going on in the picture here. We have our earthly desires. We're not what our earthly desires make us. That's not who we are. And we're certainly not what the devil's desires are for us. That's not who we're made to be, who we have to be. Jesus set us free from those things. But when we're behaving in those ways, we're behaving like the father, the devil. We're making the devil our daddy. Don't make the devil your daddy. When we, make, when we decide we're not going to follow the father God, we decide we're going to follow the devil as our daddy because those behaviors of a fatherless generation, no one is fatherless. But when good fathers don't step in to speak to children, it they're fatherless from a good perspective, the devil steps in and fills in that gap. And he speaks lies to generations. He's been doing it to generations in America, guys. Generations in America have, have a fatherless, a good father gap from a natural fathers to spiritual fathers. And in that gap, the devil himself is stepping in to speak lies into generations to get them to believe lies about who they are. And then when we look at the world and we go, why is the world so crazy? They've got the wrong dad. Following the wrong daddy. But it looks just like him. Everywhere, throughout all generation and all time, everyone who follows the devil as their daddy, even if you're not a Satanist, okay, you might think, I'm not, these guys were Jews trying to worship God. But they wanted to kill Jesus. Murder is not what God's nature is, okay? He's like, you want to murder? That's the devil's nature. Not my father's nature. They're like confused, but we go to synagogue. You're like, I'm a rabbi. You're like, you're not a rabbi. That follows the good heavenly father. The devil will fill in every gap and try to steal your identity or misdirect your identity any chance he can. If we, if we don't believe that, then we are truly, we're truly deceived. And we're very vulnerable. Okay. Look at the fruit. By your fruits, we know them. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. There's no truth in him. This is Jesus talking about the devil. When he lies, he speaks his native language. Uh, you speak English. Some people speak Spanish. Some people speak, you know, Aleut or whatever, Right? And this dude speaks lies. That's it. That's his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet, because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. When I belong to the father, I behave like one of his kids. 
It looks a, a certain way. And this is not legalism. Legalism has become a leverage point in the church that actually creates a lot of um, cop-out and victim mentality. Oh, this church was so legalistic, and I'm a victim. <laughs> You're like, okay. I get it. Spiritual abuse is real. Victim mentality, uh, or being, you know, being a victim of abuse and all these things are real. It's so true. And when we are focused on our good heavenly father's voice, guess what? We get hurt a lot less. Because we see natural fathers, leaders, and people as just natural fathers, leaders, and people trying to reflect and do the best they can. But when we move them into the place of God, we have made a huge mistake. Our identity is now in our church leaders and how well or bad they do as leaders. And we allow that to oppress us and all this stuff. You're a powerful person in Jesus. And these things you can overcome. And you can overcome the failures of human beings if you expect them to fail. And you expect them to be natural human beings. And you expect your Father God to be perfect and okay with that fact. But when you expect your pastors especially to be perfect, you're smoked. You're done. You are an instrument. You are a collector of hurt. Any of y'all play Nerf Tag? You guys ever play Nerf Tag? Or like one of those games you put on a Velcro thing, you throw like Velcro balls at each other, right? All right. If you're like a Velcro-suited human being for hurt. And it's just people are throwing those things all day long around, and they're going to get all over you. It's guaranteed. It's like if you live in Texas and you're going to go for a walk in the brambles or whatever, you're going to get those stupid little poker pricker things all in your socks every single time, unless you wear your snake boots, right? Wear your snake boots, big, tall, super hard leather boots, right? Leather chaps. That go all the way around, right? Cover it all, okay? How many people out here? I don't know what to wear. Forgot what modesty looks like. Don't watch Lizzo get on an airplane. I'll tell you that right now. Seeing a whole lot of too much right there, okay. Am I right? Come on. What the heck is our world doing? <laughs> Do not search that on the internet, okay. I did not search it. It just happened to me. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Sweet Christmas. If, if, if we don't have the right protective gear on, and I'm telling you the right protective gear for us to keep from being hurt is being rooted in what the, the Father says about us and who he is and who he is to us. Hearing his voice. Because the enemy is one of the... He is just chucking everything he can at you. He has set brambles out all over the place for you to walk into, and that's all he wants is for you to be irritated, hurt, dysfunctional, disjointed from the body of Christ, and forget who you are so that you'll, when the enemy comes out and he steps into your land, that you'll just go run and hide in your tent. Y'all, all it takes is one teenager that understands who he is who she is in the Lord, to just do what God says to do. And all of a sudden, these giants in our land, they start getting smoked one after another. Many of you guys know this story, but David goes on and he just, he, he tells him, he's like, look, this guy is defying the armies of God. And he goes out and he takes a stone 
in a sling and he kills a giant that's in full armor. The power of God moves through him in absolute humiliation. He used a tool of humiliation that's made for rabbits. And he kills a giant. God will use tools in your hands as children of God as tools of humiliation to the enemy himself. He will be absolutely humiliated by the tools that God gives you. He's like, well, here you go. Here is a rubber band. You're going to kill that giant. You're like, okay. And he died. You're like, that was awesome. That's the kind of stuff God wants to do with us. He does not expect you and I to be able to do anything awesome except lean in and rely on in faith his power by belonging and knowing who we are in him. But we have to understand the two voices that we are desperately in need of. A, the heavenly father's voice and a natural voice. Like when we see um, David show up, and if you go 1 Samuel 17, 28, um, his brother Eliab, uh, he says this when David shows up, and he's like, what is the heck is going on? Why is this stupid you know, giant able to be out here and do all this stuff? Where are the men of, of God around? And Eliab says, David's oldest brother, he heard him speaking with men, and he burned with anger at him. He said, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down here to watch the battle. Whew. Look at Samuel uh, uh, 17.32. And he goes in and then he goes to, they bring him to Saul and then Saul says this. Uh, he says this to, to, to Saul. Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine, your servant. I will go fight with him. And then in verse 33, this is what Saul says back. You're not able to go against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. You're a child. And he's been a warrior from his youth. Just think about these voices that were happening his own family members, and his, his, his older brother, Eliab, do you know what he saw not too long ago? He watched Samuel, the prophet, come in and pass him up to be the next anointed king. That already happened before this story goes on. And he goes down, doo, doo, all the way down. He's like, hey, you guys got to have one other son because we're missing something. And he goes, yeah, I guess we got this little ruddy kid out in the woods. He's, I'm pretty sure he's still mine, you know. He might still be alive. And so they go bring him out, bring him back. And David shows up all dirty and been working and smelling like, you know, all the things he works with. And, <laughs> and Samuel goes like, what, this kid? And the Lord says, I don't look, don't look on the outside. Look on the inside. That's what I'm looking at. And he anoints him to be king. David remembers, wait, I'm supposed to be king. Eliab goes, you're arrogant. He got mad. He actually was mad that God chose someone else beside him. But his heart, he was still too afraid in that moment because he didn't know the father. He, and this is why God passed him up because David's heart was after the father. And that's why God moved through him. It's the main reason is because his heart was after the father. And Eliab's was not. Saul's was not. And both of those men who could have easily fought and beat Goliath if they knew who they were, 
Saul was still the king. And he was still the anointed one in the position. And David was waiting. He was the next anointed king. And David shows up and he goes, I remember I'm anointed king. That dude's on my property. I'm the king of this property. This is going to be mine someday. God promised that. And this is already his land. And who are you? But you and I are going to have to overcome the voices of people around us who are jealous. See, jealousy and lies and deceit and lack of faith and doubt are all the voice of the father. If the father, the devil is your father, those are the voices you will hear. If you allow him to speak in your life. Natural people, siblings, moms, dads, uh, pastors, leaders, uh, people around you, people in the job site, wherever it is, people will be accidentally and sometimes intentionally trying to erode you and tear you down because they're afraid of what, whatever it is they're afraid of. <laughs> Fill in the blank. They can be afraid that if you succeed, they look bad. They don't have the courage to step up and do the thing. They can be jealous that God picked you and not, and not them. But the reality is, is that if you and I understand who God truly is, he picked us all for a great work. And when we fall in love with that assignment, we fall in love with the shape that he made us. And this is when we understand the Father's heart towards us, is he made us unique, he made us beautiful, and he made us to do a thing. And it isn't about the thing you do, but doing the thing helps you understand you belong and you're a part of his family. And then others get to be a part of his thing. And that, when we know our lives matter to others, that roots in this sense of belonging and identity to the Father in like a really deep way. We're made for all of it. But when we lose sight of this, we go hide in tents from the destiny and the call that the Father has placed on our life. We cower from our destiny. If you're cowering from your destiny, this is not a point of where you allow toxic shame to just bulldoze and run over you in your life. But it is a point where you shift who you put your trust in. What voice are you going to allow yourself to listen to? The enemy's voice filling the void or the good heavenly father's voice. If you and I don't learn to forgive our natural fathers and spiritual fathers in the natural, we'll never have an opportunity to allow a good voice to fill that space that we need. And it'll forever distort what we ought to be hearing from the father God himself. Are you tracking with me? This is, I really believe, like a word of wisdom for the church is that it's time to let our earthly and natural fathers off the hook. You, you keep drinking this cup of bitterness, it's going to destroy the church. It'll destroy our families. Our dads can't be perfect, guys. It's not possible. We have to let them go. We gotta let them off the hook. And then when we forgive, guess what? They get smarter real fast. Like, wow, actually, there was a lot of really good things there. And our earthly fathers are really put in a place to teach us who we are to the best of their ability. And I remember my dad taking me aside and aligning me. He wasn't even a Christian. 
at the time. He got saved like 15 years ago, right? So all my years growing up, my dad wasn't even a Christian. But when I got caught lying and in a lie, my dad would take me aside and say, Josh, son, this isn't who you are. This isn't who Tanners are. You're an, you're an honest man. We're honest people. I wouldn't wake up and get up. I'm supposed to be working around the house and stuff. He'd wake me up and he goes, hey, listen, this is not who we are. We're not lazy people that sit around and we don't contribute. And he'd say, listen, this is your home too. This is one of the greatest lessons my dad taught me as a, as a kid growing up. He'd take me out. He would walk me around. See all this land? We had like 20 acres growing up out in the boonies. He's like, this is our land. See this house? This is our house. This stuff, this is our stuff. And th th when you leave the toilet dirty, when you don't do the dishes, when you don't sweep, this is our stuff. And we need to have ownership and pride in our things. That's who we are. Those kinds of things, they don't leave you as a human being. Right? Fathers are designed to tell us who we are and to help align us to the truth of who God is. And it's an important, very, very giant missing piece in America today. And it's missing in the church today. I'm not saying completely because there's many awesome fathers here. Know who you are. Know your power Know where your power comes from, and it comes from your good heavenly Father. And know that you're just a reflection, trying to align to the reflection of who he is so that your kids and as a spiritual father, the people around you can see and hear and know who God is. But he is truth and absolute and immovable. And you can be truth and absolute and immovable and still accepting of people in the midst of their failures. They don't have to align with the truth for you to accept them. Good fathers don't need their kids to align with the truth for them to be accepted. They don't. They just need to speak destiny over their kids. Your kids, my kids, whatever, your spiritual kids, people here in the house, it, we're not all going to be on track all the time. But true fathers are rooted in the truth and trust in, the God, in God just like and when, just like David, when Philistines and stuff are in the land, it doesn't scare them. It doesn't freak them out. Because we know that our God is immovable force that cannot be shifted. Are you with me? And when we bring people close, they're affected by the power and the presence of God. When David goes down to kill Goliath, he's like, come on, just get close to me. He runs at him, and he's like, yeah. Don't run away. You get close to me because this is going to change real quick. This is about to change real quick. And I want this to happen right now. Come on, bring it. And when there are problems and dysfunctions and people off track around you, you're like, come on. Come here. I want you to meet someone that I know. You're going to meet Jesus. I'm about to slay a giant in your life. Come on, there's a spiritual giant that's about to fall over right now in your life. Come on, come to the Father. Run to him. Run to goodness. Run to truth. Jesus says that, that, that Jesus paid for something that's amazing that we see in, in multiple places in the New Testament that says, come boldly into the throne room. 
when you need it most. You'll find grace when you need it most. And this is the heart of a father to his kids. And we see the prodigal son in the story of the prodigal son when he is out and wayward and all messed up. The father sees his son who took and wasted a whole bunch of his life and all of his inheritance. And when he's coming back and he comes to his senses, he's coming back, the father's running to him to collide into him with his love and tell him who he is. He puts a robe on him and the signet ring that identifies that he is his son. And this is what God is doing and wants to do with and through fathers. And we're made to hear this voice of the father God defining who we are, knowing who we are in him, and speaking to a generation that is lost and fatherless. It's time for us to stand up and to begin speaking life into the people around us. Okay, well, there's a lot we could say. She's playing the piano. I've got three messages in one message. I want you to see this. Romans 8.37. It's a famous passage, all of you guys have seen. Knowing all these things, we're more than conquerors in him who loves us. You and I need to see this in him. Hear this from the Father God, that in him, we are more than conquerors. We're super victorious. David understood this when he went into this conflict and he brought identity back to the nation of Israel. Then all of a sudden, after he proved to everybody, look, we're more than conquerors because of what God has done, the whole army wakes up. All of Israel wakes up and they go chase and rout out the entire Philistine army. And all of a sudden, all the other men in the house of Israel got their courage. They found themselves. And sometimes all it takes is one person to find themselves or know who they are to let others know who they are in him. Don't underestimate the power of who God has called you to be. Galatians 4.4. 4. But, right, but when the right time came, God sent his son. Born of a woman, subject to the law, God sent him to buy freedom for us who are slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, he made you his heir. It's time to remember who we are. It's time to align our voice to the Father's voice, align our heart to his heart. 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of, his, out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You might not have known it, but you are part of God's family. You belong to him, and he is your God. This is the key to your identity 
is you belong to God and He is your God. God, you're, you're mine. I believe you are my God, Jesus. You are the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through the Son. That's what the Bible says. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of that sin is death or separation, eternal separation from God. But the gift of life is Jesus Christ. Is his mercy that we find new every day. And all we have to do is believe in the one who sent. We just have to believe in Jesus and we're saved. It's that simple. To find your identity and who you really are and begin to hear the voice of God in your life, you just have to surrender your life to him. And if you've been off track and you've been living like a lawless, uh, fatherless, heavenly fatherless child, it's time to make a shift. Just turn your heart back to him. And just like the prodigal son, when you come back to him, the father comes running to you and he puts his signet ring on you and he says, you are mine. You never stop being his. You can't unson yourself. You can't. And once you become a son, it says there, we read it earlier, that Jesus made this deal, the forgiveness of sin, he made it permanent. It's a done deal. But your life and your best life in him is in understanding him and worshiping him as your heavenly father. Will you close your eyes with me for a moment? If you're here today and you've never chosen Jesus and you've never surrendered your heart to him and you haven't and you don't have this identity as a son or a daughter belonging to the heavenly father, then it's so simple. Right now is a perfect time for you to choose Jesus. And we'll just pray, it'll only take a minute. But God wants us to declare him in front of others. It's really important to him that we're not ashamed or afraid of who he is. If you're here today and you say, that's me, I'm ready to pray. I wanna receive Jesus. Just stretch your hand up in the air. Yeah, I see your hands. Thank you, thank you. Awesome. I'm ready to turn my life over to you. That's great. You can put your hands down. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, pray this with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I love you. I give my heart to you. You are my God, and I'm your person. Save me today. Set me free from my sin. And fill me with your love that makes me know that I'm your child. I turn my heart to you today. Speak to me your truth about who I am. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Will you stand with me? Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.